0: I've got a kind of a confession to make. Is it okay to make a confession in church? I know we're not that kind of church, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of works for me. I have a kind of an addiction. I don't really say it's an addiction because I could probably do without it if I really, 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 really have to, but I choose not to. It's just brought joy. And it's not coffee, although that's another one, but that's for another time. And what I found is that in society, that this addiction is kind of becoming less fashionable. It used to be that everywhere you went, people participated and, you know, you had things on tables that you were able to do, but now it's kind of like a bit of a secret little organisation. And my addiction is to this thing called salt. You know, and so I often carry, I know I travel a lot, I carry two things when I travel, three things. Coffee bags, because you know, you never know, Uh, salt, Um, And what's the third thing I carry? Oh, that's right, little packets of Vegemite, just to kind of make you feel at home. And you might think salt. You know, salt's got a bad rap lately because people kind of think, oh, well, you know, it's bad for this and it's bad for that. The truth is, it's the excess of it that's bad. It's the excess of anything, and in our Western world, we often go to excess in things. But salt is essential for life in general, and it's one of a human's basic tastes. It's one of the, the first seasonings, an important method of preserving food. You know, when this was written, which the scripture we're going to read about the fact that, that you are salt and you need to be more salty, when that was first written, salt was an incredibly valuable resource, because without it, food wouldn't be preserved, Without it, there would be a, a breakdown of the way that people could live. It was a way that, uh, that worked against disease and worked against decay. Do you know that salt is one of our first tastes? It's one of the first tastes that we have. It's so important to our taste. And I was, I was reading that recently. I was preparing this this week. And I, I realized that scripture, you know that scripture that says, I taste and see that the Lord is good. I thought, I bet that was written uh, with, with salt in mind that when you taste something and there's salt in it, it tastes better. It adds the flavor. It doesn't overpower. It adds to what's already there. I wanna ask you today, are you salty? I needed to say all that first because I didn't want you to feel intimidated that salt is bad. I'm talking about salt being valuable and good. Only about 8% of salt is actually used for food. The rest of it is in water and in preservation and all sorts of other things that make our world work. Back in Matthew chapter five and verse 13, Jesus put it this way, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Could you just turn to someone next to you and say you are the light of the world. You, you, you. Are you allowed to do that in church here? I'm only here today. So you know, if you get in trouble, don't worry about it. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Are you salty? Are you bringing flavor and preservation into the lives of those around you? Are you salt that somehow your presence makes a difference? My husband and I, quite a few years ago, realized that we hung out a lot with Christians. And that's fine, they're, they're quite nice people, probably gonna spend eternity with them. But we realized that in our circles, he was running a company at the time and we were involved in different things where we had quite a few friends who weren't of faith, but every one of them had heard Every one of them we'd been able to share our faith with, we'd invited them to things, and we were kind of at a bit of an impasse. You know, it was just a, a situation where, where there was a bit of a saturation time. So we decided to join a business organization. At the time, we could have joined a Christmas Christian one, and I'm not against um, business organizations that have a faith based. I think they do a great work. But we decided to join a secular one because we wanted to start engaging people. And it was challenging. I remember the first time that he went to this place, this this amazing, amazing house (coughs) in Melbourne. And there was all of these people, there was about 70 people there um, in a particular area of Melbourne. And my husband introduced himself and he said, I'm John, I've got this kind of business. I've bought the business, I'm running the business and my plan is to sell the business and harvest it. And everybody went, okay, fine, that's what you do. And he said, this is my wife and she's a minister. And straight away, Half the room decided never to speak to me. <laughs> and half the room, what's a minister? What do they do? So it was an interesting one. The lady who owned the house came up to me afterwards and she said, I don't think I've ever met a minister before. I said, oh, you have now. So they don't all look like me, but, you know, they should. <laughs> and she said, in fact, I don't think I've ever met someone of faith before. But isn't that sad? You see, there are lots of parts of the world, our world, where people don't run into people of faith. They won't just walk into a church. They don't know someone who lives by things. There's a curiosity, but there's not an access. And proximity enables access. We've been in that group now for a long, long time. We're in a small group. I'm in a small group with um, some business people. My husband's in a small group with some business people. And, and we share for three or four hours about all sorts of challenges and had opportunity to share with them and pray with them. And, all that sort of thing, Um, but not one of them have ever come to church. And, you know, about two years ago, I got a bit annoyed, not with them, well, kind of with them. I sort of said, you know, God, I'm spending all my time with these people, and I'm just not sure they deserve me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I'd spent this much time with other people, there'd be huge transformation, and I've been spending time with these people, and da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, I just think I'm ready to quit and get a better group. I felt the Holy Spirit whisper. I generally know it's the Holy Spirit for a few reasons. He lifts up Jesus, he speaks according to the word, but the other is, he says things I would never think of myself. And so I felt this prompting, you're the only person in the world praying for them. That's a responsibility. So I thought, okay, I better keep on going. I better keep on going. And maybe because you know God had heard my cry, but certainly because he's so gracious. A couple of weeks later, one of the ladies in my group was talking to me, and she said, you know, her husband was actually in my husband's group, and so they're they're from a Jewish background, and, you know, they said, look, it's really interesting. We can't discuss what is said in these groups because it's confidential, but what we both talked about was when when you or John are in the group, the group is different. I said, yeah, because we talk too much. (laughs) She said, no, 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 it's somehow more spiritual we all feel more spiritual when you're there. It's kind of like, we can't really describe it, but it's kind of like, it's more, there's more like God is there. And she said, you know, when you've come, we've been, we've been to synagogue quite a bit for various bar mitzvahs and things. And she said, when you are there, it's kind of like, like more spiritual, you un- you know you understand what's being read, and you just explain to us what it's about and explain the stories. It's like yes, they're quite important, and 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 she goes, there's a spiritual dimension, and we really like that. And we had dinner with a few people, and you know just talking about the differences. I said, you know, Judaism, Christianity, we're exactly the same. We only diverged a couple of thousand years ago, but the core of what we do is the same. But it's just that we think Jesus is a Messiah. And we just had this whole discussion and conversation. You know, we are called to be salt. We are called to be seasoning. That doesn't mean that we stand up at a soapbox every day at work. Give it a shot if you want to. But it means that there should be a spiritual and a different dimension to wherever we are because we are carrying the presence of God. We get used to the presence of God in our life, but most people don't have it. We had a... um, we had a, a birthday party for my husband quite a while now ago now, and he invited his tax accountant. Why not? And so we had everyone there, and you know, we just kind of said grace before we had food. You know how you do. You get you know, whoever looks like the oldest Christian or whatever, um, and you get them to say grace, and you move on. So he rang up John that week and said, can I come and talk to you um, about the party? we like, okay, yeah, what was so bad about it? So they came along, and we had dinner, and they said, tell us about the prayer. And we're like, we couldn't really remember that. I said, was there a prayer? Yeah, yeah, you called it grace. You know, you sort of prayed over the food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they could quote pretty much line after line what that person had prayed. I couldn't even remember who said grace. I couldn't remember what was prayed. But they, they said it, it was like that person actually knew God. It was like they actually connected. It was a, and they, it just stood out to them. They said, we've never been in a party with a spiritual dimension before. That's just being salt, isn't it? That's just living your life and seasoning those around. There's a whole lot of stories with that guy because he's on a faith journey, but I'll give you one more because it's funny. He's our tax accountant. And so he works one of those you know, big chartered people. And so they have a team of people that do their tax. And so a couple of these young guys well, girls, I don't know who they were, were obviously laughing about what we do with our money. And, um, you know, they were going through, oh, look what they do with this, and look at that, oh, 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 you know, they thought it was very funny, which is lovely, just a source of amusement. And he came in and he got angry, and he said, why are you laughing about what these clients do with their money? And he said, let me show you. So he went back and he showed them a spreadsheet of our finances. You know, it's surprising what goes on in these chartered accounting firms, isn't it? I said to John, what's, what's more surprising to me is who's the billable hours paying for that? But anyway. So, and he showed them the spreadsheet. And he said, you know, these people tithe. And he explained what a tithe is. It's 10%. And they decided it was 10% of everything they earn. Apparently, that's negotiable. And, um, and, and he said, this is what's happened. And then they decided to increase that percentage. Who knows why, but they did. And, and so he was showing them all the finances. And he goes, so don't laugh at something that works. Isn't that amazing? You know what's even stranger to me? They've started tithing. They don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. If you were thinking of an evangelism strategy for a tax accountant, would would it be start with giving you money? (laughs) Most of us shy away from that. But they've started tithing over the last couple of years, and then about a year ago, they've started praying and talking to God. Do you know 70% of Australians, when surveyed, say they pray? 70%. Seven out of ten people in your street pray. They just don't admit it unless they're secretly surveyed. So they are already talking to God. They're already on openness. But 49% of Australians never get to have a spiritual conversation. Apparently, they're not sitting down at the pub talking about the Trinity. Some of you don't even know what that is. So you're not talking about it either. They're not, they don't get to have a conversation. Why did my five year old? Um, child who'd never done anything wrong why did they die they don't have a place to talk about their spiritual issues now I'll I'll just give you the heads up because I'm supposed to be good at this stuff I've you know chaired bible colleges and you know I'm a teaching pastor and been a Christian for forever I have unanswered questions anyone else with me don't raise your hand I don't know if you do that here's the thing Alpha is not about answering all the questions. It's about a safe place to discuss them. It's about being able to discuss them. The number one thing you need as an alpha leader with a little red thing is to be able to say, that's a great question. What does everybody else think? Taking people on the journey of listening, being salt, being seasoning, wherever we are, living our lives in a way that bring flavor to other people's lives, that uh, that want them to taste and see that God is good, that bring a spiritual dimension to where they are. Jesus modeled this. He modeled it. He's the light of the world. He shone by loving God. He shone by talking to friends and sinners. He, he let his light shine by respecting his parents, by having incredibly radical values. In fact, they said, here's someone we can find no fault with. That's someone who's shining. He asked his father to set people free. Acts chapter 10 puts it this way, verse 37. You know what happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You see... Jesus is God's son and he left heaven to come to earth to show us how to live. He's God with skin on. He shows us how do we live out a relationship with God every day. How does that look in the way that I work? How does that look in the way I interact with my parents? How does that look in the way I treat women? How does that look in the way that I treat Gentiles? How does that look? It says, God anointed, the omnipotent creator of the universe anointed. The one who said, let there be light, and there is light today. The one who creates and sustains our universe, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is kind of like a derogatory term. You know, I was born in Kalanga, which is outside Brisbane. You know, and when I say that to Brisbaneites, they're kind of like Kalanga. And you can see them going, their, their view of me changes gets even worse and Nazareth is it's I've been to Nazareth it's still a hole it's down it's down the bottom of a thing it's just it's just you know it's not a great place Jesus of Nazareth being derogatory about well you know he's just from Nazareth he's no good who is he God anointed Jesus who was fully man and also from a not a great place not a great situation All of his life, people whispered about him, you know he's not Joseph's son. All of his life, people said things about him. It's a small community. There were lots of whispers. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. You see, everything that Jesus did was not because he was the son of God. Because when he left heaven, he left all of his rights, all of his privileges as son of God, and he lived, just exactly with the same abilities that we have. He lived at earth just the same as us, just the same as us. But he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Holy Spirit came upon him to give him power from God. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So when we hear the stories and we think about what Jesus did. That was because the Holy Spirit was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and with power. But here's where it gets interesting. And Jesus went around. You see, he didn't just sit down and go, come to me. It says he went around. And you know, We have to get going a bit more. Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we need to get stepping, right? We need to just take some steps in the right direction and see what God may do. We just need to get going around. Now this works fine because I go around all the time, but it's being aware that God is with us wherever we're going. A little while ago I was um, in a particular town and they had a shoe shop near where I was staying and it had 50% off and then it had 70% off. So, you know, that's a sign, right? So I felt I had to go into this shoe shop and there was another lady there and there was a lady serving and me. We were the only people in there. And, um, and, you know, when we went in, I said hello and she said hello and that was that. So I went around and there was these two shoes. One was sandals and one were boots and both of them, just looked fantastic, and so I went up to the counter with both of them thinking, I wonder which one I should get. And she, you know, said hello, and I said, oh, hi, how are you, how's the day going? Which is, what I really meant was, just chat away for a moment while I decide which shoes to get. And she started talking about her day and how she was, and I'm sort of thinking about the shoes, and then I kind of zoned in that she was telling me a story about things that weren't good, but I hadn't been listening. I'm not recommending that. And so we got to the end and I said to her, I believe in God. I've said this to lots of people. Most people believe in God and they're okay with that. They're fascinated that you need to tell them, but it's okay. So I said to her, I believe in God. And, and most times, pretty much nine and a half out of, times out of 10, they say nothing. They don't agree with you or disagree with it. They just go, ah, oh. it's got a bit, bit of shock. I said, I believe in God, and I believe He cares about our world. Would I be able to pray for you? I would pray for people multiple times a week in various places. Some of them are Christian, but most aren't. And so she said, sure. I've only ever once had someone said, no, you can't pray for me. And it was at an Alpha in Brisbane. Can you believe it? We're in a church, we're doing Alpha. I I felt like saying, hang on, I'm really good at this. (laughs) I went, no worries. We just, we go at people's speed. So when I, you always ask, can I pray for you? And she said, actually, no. I said, no, it's, if you want prayer later on, let me know. And moved on. But that's the only time I've ever had someone say no. Mostly they go, oh, uh, yes. So she said, ah uh, yes. I said, great. Now here's what they assume. They assume I'm going to go away somewhere and pray. <laughs> They'd be wrong. Because <laughs> if I go away and pray, I forget. You always pray. So I just leaned over the counter. Now I've found between the wrist and the elbow, that's a very, in most cultures, it's a very acceptable place to touch people. Okay, so I just leaned over the counter and just touched her arm like this. I keep my eyes open. I've found that if they're gonna call security, it's helpful. (laughs) Supermarkets are the worst because you have to pray really fast prayers Um, because there's people in the queue behind you who are kind of trying to work out what's happening. Anyway, so I put my arm, I have done it, arm, um, and I just, the reason is, Jesus so often was moved com- with compassion and he touched people. You carry the presence of God. Someone introduced me to their Reiki master recently, you know, at a coffee shop, and I just put my hand on his shoulder and said, great to meet you, and he ran. And I said, what's that? She goes, oh, he recognizes you have power, he doesn't. Really, it's Monday morning and I haven't had coffee. I have no power presence of God in us which we don't recognize because we live in it is able to help people so I leaned over the counter put my hand there and I just prayed for it I always say dear God because people are okay with that and just said you know thank you that you you know us I "I can't remember what I prayed but basically about just show her your love and then I always say at the end in Jesus name amen because it's good to introduce Jesus name because it works and it's good to say amen because most of them think that might be the end so I said, so you just need to think about that and that God cares about you and I'll have the sandals. And I left. Now many of you are gonna go, what do you mean? Didn't you lead her to Jesus? No. Didn't you baptize her there with the hose? No, 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 no. <laughs> what did you do? I prayed with her and I left. See our research says it used to take four to six connections for someone to come to faith because people had you know, some sort of church background. Our latest research uh, about three years ago says it takes eight to 12 connections. I think it's 12 plus connections for someone to come to faith. So if you think about the old-fashioned clock face, you know, it sort of goes one to 12. Um, Every time that we connect with someone in a spiritual way, we move them around the clock face of faith. The challenge is they don't tell us where they are. There's not a little sign that says 11 on the brink. Or a sign that says, one, <laughs> keep on going. But every time we'd pray for someone, every time we'd mention what God's done in our life, every time we give them, you know, I'm sick of giving chocolates to people that I go to places for dinner. You know, we go to a lot of business dinners and you try and say thank you to people and you give them chocolates. No, no, no. I give them books, purpose driven life, case for Christ. I'm subtle. <laughs> And one guy took me to his library and he's got like six books that I've given him. And he goes, you're going to keep giving me books? Yep, until you read them. He's the number one frequent flyer for someone. So he's on the plane all the time. So just grab one of those books, stick it in his suitcase. Stick it in. You know what will happen? Sometime he will. Because the Holy Spirit sees that seeds are being sown. And those books, which he knew, are there on his bookshelf staring him in the face. We are taking them around the clock face of faith. When my daughter joined prep, You know, I thought, well, how are we going to influence her class? But also, how am I going to help her not getting made fun of for going to church? You know, because prep's okay, everybody's. But as you get on, people start to go, you go to church, because their view of church is different to what church is. So I just decided every Easter, every Christmas, we would invite every family in the class to our Easter production or our Christmas production. Simple, right? And over the course of the years, they all came various times. And I made sure when they came to Christmas that I paid for them to ride a camel or something, You know, just kind of made sure they're connected. Now she's had two of those friends over the 13 years that have made a decision to follow Jesus, but all the others have started coming along to church, have been along to church and they know where to go. We've been moving them around the clock face of faith. Do you know what happens? If there's 12 links in the chains, sometimes the chain has a missing link, and I don't want to be the missing link, okay? Why don't you just nudge someone? Don't be the missing link. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. Don't be the missing link. If you can't nudge someone in church, where can you. So we are taking them around the clock face of faith. Jesus went around I'm back to that scripture, he went around, he went around, he went to where people were and what does it say he did? Doing good, doing good. The interesting thing is doing good and healing all who are oppressed was not a one-size-fits-all deal. My favorite one, because I don't really like cooking, is he said to a guy in a tree, come on down, I'm coming to your place for dinner. See, I'd like to make a whole lifestyle out of that. invited myself to dinner at everybody's places. Wouldn't it be cool? Hey you, come to your place for dinner. (laughs) But he only did it once. He didn't have a one-size-fits-all approach. He was open to the person and the situation at the time. He prayed and he asked God's help. Maybe that's something we should be doing, going around doing good. Sometimes doing good is taking a meal. Sometimes doing good is talking to someone who suffered discrimination. Just sitting with them. Sometimes doing good is letting people wash your feet. If you read the Gospels, there was lots of ways that Jesus did good. But it says, um, in healing all are oppressed by the enemy, and it finishes with this, for God was with him. For God was with him. For God was with him. If you have a look at your seats, you've got one of these great cards. It's an invitation to think about who you can pray for to come to Alpha. It says, God, I pray that you open the hearts of these five friends and give me courage to help them. Everybody needs a card. Everyone got a card? Got a card? Got a card? Got a card? That's a start. It's a good start. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. But here's the thing. Jesus was the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light. Let it be open for people to see. Now, that doesn't mean you go around shining in everybody's face. You know, it's a bit daunting when people come and put a torch in your eyes. Have you found that? If you kind of got, you know, one of those big spotlights and stuck it in the face of everybody at work and said, turn or burn, that's a one-shot wonder. <laughs> you know? But being a light is allowing your light to shine, just to be who you are, but at some point, crossing the line and inviting. At some point, crossing the line. My brother's not following Jesus yet. And so for years, for years, we felt God said to us, just love him. We didn't talk to him about God, we didn't talk to him about faith, we just loved him, because his life was a bit of a mess. And there was a time when I felt the Holy Spirit saying, we just need to talk to him again about God. And it was really hard. Because you've got years of, you have your faith and I'll have mine. You know, we've sort of agreed to disagree. We get to a place of, oh, well, that's for you but not for me. And at some point, as we pray and ask God, we have to be prepared to cross the line. We have to be prepared just to kind of start talking about God. Start talking about him. Start talking about him. In this, in this group that I'm with, one of the ladies is an atheist. And, you know, I just talk about prayer and talk about faith. In fact, you know, we have these gatherings um, and they used to get people in to do meditation. I thought, no, no. I said, no, no, I'm an expert on meditation. I'll do that. <laughs> they said, what, what are you trained in? I said, oh, I've been trained all my life. <laughs> so I just took over the meditation because I couldn't bear the other one. And so we started to say, how do we bring light? So, you know, close your eyes. Think about nothing if you have to. But now think about light and how important light is. And then think about love. Just starting to, to, how can I get people to think about this? What can I do? And there comes a point at which you need to, so I just started talking to my brother. He was asking some advice about something. And I said, well, you know, the difference in our lives is God. And he goes, oh, I said, no, no, we talk to God. We walk. You know, look at the dramatic difference. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come to God one day when I've got my life together. I said, you, yeah, how's that working for you? You have to cross the line to start talking about something. Now, we have to cross the line to start inviting someone to Alpha. So what you do is you pray. Say, God, who are five people that I just need to reach out? So you can actually write down five names as they come to you, if you want. I generally write down easy people. People I think, yeah, they might be interested. I often put, you know, five is m- much nicer than me. Um, I generally put down a few people that I know will never come because I may as well move them around the clock face of faith. And then I put down some random people, you know, my barista, who I have a great relationship with, but I don't know their name. <laughs> but I walk in and grunt, and he knows to get a flat white. <laughs> and then I have a couple of sips and say hello. and we kind of, people, And we start praying for them. And we start to say, God, help me to invite. Now, people say, how should I invite? I don't know. But my suggestion is this, do something, do something. You know, I wanted to invite all of my, when we moved into a new street, and we, it was a, this is years ago, it was a bit of a gated community and you know, no one talked to each other. Like they just sort of quickly drove in, and shut their gates. So I thought, what can I do in this street? So I wrote a letter saying, hi, I'm Melinda, I'm from number 12, I'm the chaplain of the street. <laughs> so if you need anything, if you need any spiritual advice, if you need this or if you need that, and so I just sent a letter, put everyone, put my phone number down, and, and not that long after that we had the Christmas party and everyone's together. I said, oh, hi, Melinda. Oh, you're our chaplain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic that our street has a chaplain. I said, I know. <laughs> the competition was tough, but I got the job. <laughs> no one else was applying. How hard is it? You see, you find ways to open up connection." You find ways to have the conversation. One of the guys I had on my list was a business guy who I didn't really know much. He's from that organization we joined. So I made, and I just thought, I'm just gonna invite him, you know, cause you know he's probably sick of, he heads up a football club. You know, how boring can that be? So I thought he probably needs Jesus. So I made an appointment to see him at his office and I practiced, practice invitation. The number one reason people don't invite someone is they're afraid of rejection. They think someone might say no. So you just have to get ready for the no. So I worked out, if he said no, no worries, it's on another time, I'll tell you. If he said maybe, I'll go, great, if you've got any questions, let me know. I had no response to yes, because he wouldn't say yes, I'm still moving around the clock face of faith. So I sat there, and here was my rehearsal. I said, Simon, would you like to come to Alpha? Now you might think that's not much of a rehearsal, but normally I say, well, I invite like this, hey, Simon, if you want would you like to come to Alpha? It's kind of a place where you have some food, you chat, you all get together. It's every week, but you can just come one week at a time. I'll happily come with you. If you don't come, it's okay. I'll still like you. We can still be friends. At the end of it, he's exhausted. He's not sure what I've asked. I'm not sure what I've asked. Would you like to come to Alpha? And then here's the thing that's a God thing. I shut up. <laughs> I just waited. He said, alpha, alpha, alpha. I still shut up? You might not think that's amazing, but that's a miracle right there. And he said, is that that little man holding a question mark? I said, it was, but now we just got the question mark. We've got rid of the men. (laughs) He said, I've seen that all around the world and wondered how I could come. Oh. Okay then, <laughs> you see our responsibility is the invitation. The Holy Spirit's is the acceptance. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy. For God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. God is with you. When you're at work, when you're at home, are you letting your light shine? Teachers, are you letting your light shine as you go back to school? Are you letting your lights shine? Oh, that doesn't mean you, you get up in you know, class, science class, year nine, and sing Jesus Loves Me. I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> but it means that you are the kind of person who's adding salt and adding light. What about employers? You know, are you salt and light? Are you letting your light shine? My husband ran a company, he bought a company, ran a company, sold a company, now he's on the boards of companies helping other people grow their businesses. And he would do the initiation for new staff and he would say, the owners of this company are Christian. That means we don't expect you to lie or cheat or steal on on our behalf. We're not gonna Bible bash you, but we wanna let you know that's our values. Do you know what they did? They tested him all the time on those values hey, look, here's something that came and it got away without sales duty or stamp duty or whatever the heck it's called. They, they tested him. They watched the way he lived. We need to live with values in our workplace, not li- live our values, not trying to reinvent them. We don't need new values, but we need courageous leaders who put values into practice, who live as salt, who live as light. I was reading this quote this week. It says... Um, only someone with healthy values can lead well I am the light of the world is the greatest claim to leadership ever made Jesus who said it then told his followers you are the light of the world that is the greatest leadership task ever given I'm going to ask the band to come up students as we go back to a new environment how are we going to be salt and light what are we going to do How are we going to, as parents, live lives that inspire our kids and reach out to other parents? How do we, as employees, live in a way that is salt and light, that is an influence in the way that we work, that makes a difference in our conversation and just the way we operate? How do we operate as salt and light and inviting people to come along for a free food and watch a talk and chat about it and have a spiritual conversation? How do we do that? We do that by going around, doing good, and asking the Holy Spirit to be with us. Asking the Holy Spirit to be with us. I want to close with a poem. It's actually a a song that was resonating in my head this week. And it says this, We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary. Their lives are stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. O may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. O may all who come behind us find us faithful. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. May those around us find us faithful. I wonder if you'd stand with me for a moment as we close, as I close. Could you take that card in your hand? Some of you got names on it, some of you haven't yet. I encourage you, try and take it away and put some names on there. That we might be salt and light to these people. That we might go around and do good and help move them around the clock face of faith. Would you have those cards in your hands? We're gonna pray over them. Father, I thank you that you love us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you showed us how to live. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're our counselor and our guide into all truth. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us make a difference in the lives of these people. It may be by inviting them to Alpha. It may be by taking them a meal. It might be just by sharing with them. Whatever you prompt us to do, let us be people who are faithful. And we pray that these people will move around the clock face of faith and that some of them will come to Alpha and that seeds will be sown, Holy Spirit, that you will water and God will give the increase. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I just wanna pray for one more group of people. When I was praying about this church, I really sense that there's, there's I, I had three words about the church. One is that it's really a church of innovation. It's a church of creativity. And, you know, you're in a place where God is going to, going to enable you to innovate, able to create. But the, the thing that I feel is stirring at the moment is invention, that there are people in this place, and God has put on your heart some things to invent. Perhaps you've tried in the past and it's coming back to you. Perhaps you've never thought about that. The board chair of Alpha 30-something years ago, was sitting in a service and got an idea about how to get rid of hospital sharps. Now, I don't normally sit in church thinking about that. At the time, why would you get rid of hospital sharps? But he, through a series of things, built a global business that now is able to help support Alpha and church planning and all sorts of other things through an invention and through hard work and through obedience to the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there's people in this place that God is just stirring your heart on invention. Now, some of it is to do with you know, things that you invent, physical things, but some of it is to do with concepts, invention of concepts. They may be models for how to do a financial. I don't even know what the inventions are, but I just sense that that's happening. So I wonder before we Check out the screen. Can I just pray one more time for those people? And here's, you're in your seats. No one's going to look. Close your eyes because then you don't get distracted. But if that's you, would you just open your hands in some way? Raise them up if you want to, but just even by your side, just open up your hands as a sign. God, that's me, and I'm open to what you want to do. Connect me with other inventors. Connect me with people that can pray this through with me, that can encourage me, can help me with what's needed. Father, I thank you for the innovation and creativity that is in this place. And I thank you that you are stirring the heart for invention. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to guide and to shape. And we pray from this place that there will be many, many firsts. It's a place of firsts. It's a place where for the first time this is going to be trialed or for the first time this is going to be invented. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will guide them and be their counsellor on the journey. We just pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.